Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. For yes, he is worthy to be praised. God is good. And today is the 10th of October, 2012. I have to type something here. I have to welcome my people who are coming tonight. Amen. (laughs) Okay. All right. I have to make sure everything is right. When the Holy Spirit gets to going, you don't want to miss anything. Amen. I remember one time we was having a good Bible study. Well, we actually had a a dynamic Bible study. And we got to the end of Bible study. And I know it was the Lord that let it work out right because I forgot to press the recording button. (laughs) And the Lord was really working that night. And I was kind of sick about it. And I went back on a few minutes later, and sure enough, it mysteriously recorded itself. So God is good. Amen. Okay. All right. This is Reverend Essie with New Birth Ministries, Micromana Bible Study. Just a little bit of word. Amen. God is good. Uh, another Wednesday, October 10th, 2012. Glad that you're all on. Hope you grab a cup of coffee or a cup of tea or something, maybe even a little snack. Put your phone on mute and uh, put it on speaker and just sit back and listen to the word. Amen. We do this every Wednesday. Actually, we've been. I was telling somebody earlier today, we've been doing this for years, and God is good, and here it is, 2012. We're still at it. Amen. Um, I just want to get some uh, New Birth, MBBI, our Bible Institute's doing very well. God is good. We're sending the lessons out, snail mail, email, all kinds of ways. And people are learning and enjoying themselves. God is good. Amen. So tonight, if you want to turn your swords to Colossians, and that's page 1251, if you have a Thompson Chain Reference Bible. <laughs> page 1251, Colossians in the back of the Bible. Amen. Praise God. In the New Testament, amen. It is in between Philippians. When you see Ephesians and Philippians, and then you see Thessalonians, it's in between. Amen. So I'll be coming from the second chapter of Colossians tonight. And we're going to be talking about legalism, ritualism, uh, ceremonialism being abolished. It's a hard subject. A lot of people hate to talk about this because there are so many people I see. I've been seeing recently, the Lord's been showing me that there are so many people who are involved in these three and they're so involved in it that when you try to tell them about it, some people get upset. They'll get upset with you because they're so used to doing things their way, their grandfather's way, their great-grandfather's way, and we did this for years and we're not going to change it. And they don't realize that they're so far behind the Spirit of God. 
God's trying to teach him a new thing. And you know how they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Uh, that sometimes proves to be true. Amen. So I'm going to be teaching on legalism, ritualism, and ceremonialism tonight. Amen. If you want to write that down, write it down. Amen. I like to write things down so that I can remember. But first, what I would like to do is open up with prayer. Abba, Father, Father God, my Father, our Father, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord God, we pray to you tonight, and we ask you, Lord God, to forgive us of all of our sins. We don't want anything to come in between us and you. We just want straight from our hearts to yours and your heart to us. We just want to hear what you have to say to us, Lord God. We need more of you in this world, in these days and times today. It is so hard for people anymore. Times are changing, and it's hard for everybody, financially, familial, with the family, marriage, jobs, and especially spiritual. God, I pray tonight that you give us a word, show us something that will free people, that will cause the listeners to be free. Um, Show us something, Lord God, that in these times the enemy is always condemning us always condemning us, making us feel like we don't belong, like we've done something wrong. Lord God, I ask that you show your people that we are now living by grace, not by the law. We could never fulfill the law. That's why you sent Jesus. And this is what I hope, Lord that you would show us and help me with showing these people that listen to this that they are already free. They're already free. God, I ask that you bless and keep our nations all around the world. There are wars and rumors of wars, just like you said was going to happen. And, Lord, I ask that you help out the sick and the shut-in, those with physical, mental ailments, whatever it is that they experience. Lord, I ask that you comfort them, guide them, especially those who are incarcerated, whether it's mentally or physically. I ask that you comfort and guide them as well, Lord Jesus. And leaders of nations, I ask, Lord God, that you blow out the evil whispers of the devils that try to lead the nations by attempting to use our leaders. Lord God, cleanse their hearts and create in them clean minds, clean hearts, lighter thoughts, more loving thoughts, no greed, no covetousness. And Lord God, leaders of churches as well, 
not just the leaders of the nations, but leaders of churches as well. We've gone so far, Lord. Sometimes it feels like it's hard for us to get back to our first love, Jesus, which is our, our Savior, Jesus. There's so much happening down here, Lord God, that is not of you. Lord, I ask you to forgive us for that. We don't ever want to stop hearing your voice. And Lord, I also lift up to you uh, the children that are being battered and abused and used uh, as sex slaves or slaves just for families or businesses, the orphans and the widows, I lift up to you also, Lord. The prayer requests that we received recently even those that we may have received and forgotten, you haven't forgotten. God, we love you for that. We love you for remembering those that need you, that need help. We love you for being God all by yourself, big enough, the biggest, able to hear every prayer, able to remember every request, even those that we forget. Lord God, um, I ask that you give us strength to finish this battle that we're in, Bible says that even angels came. An angel came down and strengthened Jesus. Even Jesus got strength. He's God in the flesh. And we need strength as well. I thank you, Lord, for that. Let your Holy Spirit show us something in here tonight, Lord God, that would enlighten our minds and our spirits. Baruch Adonai. Amen. Amen. So I'm, I'm going to start reading from Colossians chapter 2. And I will read from verse 1 to... Oh, well, I'll read the whole chapter real quick. There we go. Colossians chapter 2. For I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea and for many as I have uh, as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom all in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Jesus Christ, the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power and whom also ye are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands 
in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat, or in drink, or in respect of any holy holiday, or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward in voluntary humility, in worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands of nourishment ministered and knit together increases with the increase of God. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, you're subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. Amen. May God add a blessing to the reading of his holy word. And as you can see, as you heard while I was reading, some things have changed. Some things have changed. Jesus fulfilled the law because he knew that we would, God knew that we would never be able to keep up with the law. So Jesus fulfilled the law He perfected the law. I'm taking my time saying this on purpose because there's been so many people who are confused about this. I even said myself many times that Jesus canceled out the law. He he canceled the law. The law is not the same. He didn't. He added, actually, he perfected the law. And it's, he even says himself, think ye not that I came, you know, to get rid of the law. That's not what he came here for. He perfected the law because he knew that we wouldn't be able to keep up with it. And what I got today, and I'm gonna, I hope you, this helps you when I say this, is if you want to know exactly how to uh, understand, I hope that you gain understanding from this when I say this to you. I like to use uh, props, if you will. Yeah, so people would understand what this means. Okay, let's say you have a nine-foot swimming pool. 
It's a large swimming pool in your backyard, and it's nine foot deep. Now, unless you are nine feet, one inch, you're not going to be able to stand in your swimming pool and talk to your loved ones. As long as you're in that swimming pool, you're going to be working and working and kicking and, and, and breast strokes. You're going to try to do everything that you can, a little doggy paddle to try to stay on top. You're going to get tired. You're never going to be able to get rest. Hallelujah, Jesus. <laughs> so here you are in this nine-foot pool, nine to the left, nine to the right, nine in front of you and nine behind you, nine feet behind you. You're going to constantly doggy paddle. Sooner or later, you're going to start getting cramps because you can't do it. You're not going to be able to stand on that. You're not going to. You're going to constantly be working to try to stay in that pool. What Jesus is? Have you ever seen a swimming pool? Maybe in your hometown, you know, a little uh, how do you say community pool, where there's a slant down in the pool. You okay? Where the diving board is might be maybe what I think somewhere six feet, seven, eight, nine. The diving board part where you dive may be nine foot now. Because when you dive, you don't want to crack your head open, okay? Amen, okay? So, and then as you go up, it goes nine foot. Then there's a slant. There's a cement slant in the bottom of the pool. And then it's eight foot, then seven, then six, then five, then four, and I believe it goes to maybe three. And some of them probably go to two for kids. Now, you know you can't stand. Now, see, Jesus is the slant, what I'm trying to tell you here. Jesus is the slant. He makes it easy for you to be able to swim in that pool. He's the slant. If you can't make it in the nine-foot part, okay, you just walk up that little slant or swim up until you get to the part where you can stand up and half of your body is above water. And you can stand and talk to your loved ones. So this is what Jesus did to the law. See? He didn't get rid of the swimming pool. <laughs> okay, okay. He didn't, I correct myself, because for years, I, and I, I said it wrong, had it wrong, had folks fall out with me and call me Satan because I had the idea wrong, so I'm hoping that this, I, I hope that this illustration helps you. I don't want anybody to call you Satan if you get it wrong about the law. As you know, some Christians are so quick to judge, they'll turn their back on you and tell everybody else to leave you alone because you said something that you might not have understood at the time, you know. But uh, Jesus is the ramp. He's the slant, the little ramp in the bottom of the pool. Keeps you afloat, keeps you abreast. Amen. Now, I want to start with the part where he said, uh, let me see, verse 11, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. See, once we get uh, saved, we should be different. There should be a spiritual renewal. I have been holding Bible studies for years, and I have seen people who have like a spirit of cursing on them. They say they're Christian. They look good, talk good, know that Bible. But I mean, I've seen people come to Bible study cussing. <laughs> you know, and, and, and it goes to show that they're not reading their word. There's not a change there. There's not a, a burning desire to want to be holy, to want to do good. When you accept the Lord as your Savior, something should change. Your attitude should change. Your heart should change. If your heart changes, everything else is going to change with it. See, you, you won't want to do the things that you used to do. 
when a person gets saved, and if they're young, you know, like they've been saved a year or so, that's okay. But after a couple of years, you ought to stop some of that mess you used to do. There's a change, a spiritual change. He says, buried with him in baptism. See, you're buried with Jesus in baptism. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, it says you're buried with him in baptism, wherein also you're risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead. You go down, you're buried with Jesus. When he went down, okay, he came back up with victory. You should be getting victory over the enemy. If you are not getting victory over the enemy, something is amiss. Your pr- how's your prayer life? How is your prayer life? What is your relationship with God like? Do you spend more time on other people's porches than you do in the Bible? Do you spend more time on a phone gossiping than you do talking to the Lord? Are you not ashamed to gossip? but you're ashamed to pray in public. How is your relationship with the Lord? And verse 13 says, And you being dead in your sins and uncircumcision of your flesh, so you should be dead in your sins, my Nelsie, hath he quickened together with him. Spiritual quickening changed. Your mind is open now to heavenly things. Quickened, that's what the word quickened means. And uh, having forgiven you all trespasses, once you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, everything that you did before that moment is forgiven. Everything. Once you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, don't worry about what you did two years ago, ten years ago, five years ago. Jesus, God, God took it and threw it as far as the east is from the west. There, here's, here's, here's something that we do that's wrong. Here, here's something that we do is wrong, especially Christians. This is what we do that is wrong, and, and we, we condemn ourselves. Sometimes the enemy will condemn you. That's his job. Satan will condemn you. After you, after you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, Satan will go out there, and he'll find all the business. See, this is why the Lord wants us to testify You have to learn to testify. Once you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, now that's not, know what to tell and what not to tell now. You don't have to tell all business, but you just tell something that will help somebody else. There might be somebody else out there that can't overcome like you did. See? If you don't testify first, I'm going to tell you this now, if you don't learn to testify first and cause somebody else not to trip, help somebody else out, help, help a brother out. Ain't that what they say? Help a brother and a sister out. If you don't tell it, Satan will. He, he'll find out something about you that you did years ago that the Lord threw as far as the east is from the west, and Satan's still bringing it up, as just like the enemy, ain't it? So you have to learn how to testify how to help people. And it says he forgave, and in verse 13, he forgave all your trespasses. It's all gone, babe. It's all gone. I don't care if you were on crack, dope, alcoholic, if you got an abortion, if you it killed somebody, if you, you incest, I don't, lied, cheated, I don't care what you did. After you accept Jesus Christ and ask him to be your savior, 
you get that heart change, it's gone. If he, he, forget, he became your lawyer. How can you lose in court with Jesus as your lawyer, right? Amen. And then, see, and here's, here's something else that happens to religion. This is why I'm, I'm, today I'm telling you legalism, legalism, ritualism, and ceremonialism will condemn you, keep you. It will keep you in condemnation. And there are even people who pay for their sins. You heard me say this before. There's churches that make people pay certain amounts for their sins. That is keeping you in condemnation. You have to turn around, touch your nose, jump up and down three times, run around the church, go outside, run in the parking lot, come back, and come back in the church to the altar, get on your knees, and then you're forgiven. That is not God's grace. That is not God's grace. I'm telling you now, those candles that people have you paying for, and you're lighting the candles, and, and, and some of them are on altars in the churches and stuff, you don't have to light a candle to ask God to forgive you. Amen. I want you to know this. You don't have to go to the elders of the church to ask them to forgive you. That's legalism. The, the candles would be more like ceremonialism. You don't have to light candles ask God to forgive you. Legalism, you don't have to ask the high people up, the higher up in the church to forgive you. There, God says, call nobody father but him. He, God is your father. He is the one that you talk to. And what happens is a lot of people, they say, well, we can't see him, so we need something to take his place. So then they find man. They get a man and put him there as an idol. And what did God say? He said, I will have no other gods before me, no idols. But doesn't man turn around and do it? And ritualism, I've seen people, I've seen something, I hate to say this, but a lot of those people that pay money to put those prayers in the newspaper, (laughs) it's ritualism. You know, they pay good money. Sometimes those newspapers charge $25, $30 for two or three days, if, if that much. And people put prayers in the newspaper and thank you, Saint so-and-so, for, for you know, selling my house for me. Or that I ask you, Saint so-and-so, to help me get a car and thank you for my husband. That's ritualism. First of all, Saint so-and-so didn't die on a cross like Jesus did for you. The only thing you need, and this makes people upset, and I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings, but I have to tell you the truth today. The only thing you need right now in your life is not Saint so-and-so. You don't need candles, and you don't need another father. You need Jesus. He is the only person that you need to talk to, have the song says, have a little talk with Jesus, and that song tells the truth. That's one of the most truer songs I've ever heard, and he'll make it right for you. Now, people can't see God, and they say, well, I want something that I can see, and this is what causes people to use necklaces, beads, statues, and, and, and you know they and they use lucky this lucky sprays. How many times? What you ever see? You go to the store and you see that lucky house blessing spray. And, and some people, you know, some people do buy because it smells good. But other people buy because they literally think that that can of spray is going to bring them some cash. See, don't don't fall into that mess. 
And then he says, uh, verse 14, it says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinance. Jesus did this. The ceremonial laws abolished, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, having spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them triumphantly over them. What this means is the principalities and powers above you and jumping and hopping all over this earth, you can't see them either, but you know they're there. They know that men could not keep up with that law. And they they mess with us every single day. Don't ever look for a day where you're going to have plenty of sunshine and everything's going to go your way. Because as long as you love Jesus, something, something or someone's going to come up against you. But Jesus, through him, he's the one that made uh, a show of them. It says openly. He did it so everybody can see. And he says, verse 15, he triumphed over them. He's triumphant over them. That means he won. And I want to tell everybody now, God always wins. God won. I read the book. (laughs) Amen. God always wins. Verse 16 says, let no man there. Here we go. Here we go. Okay, ready? Let no man therefore judge you in meat. See, pork is okay. Okay, I'm going to go. I I hope you catch this. Pork is okay. Let no man therefore judge you in bacon. (laughs) <laughs> or in drink, whatever drink you're drinking. The Bible says whatever you do, do it moderately and drink. That doesn't lemonade to wine. Whatever you do, you do you, you're not supposed to make an idol out of it out of it. Don't nobody should judge whether or not if one church is having communion with grape juice and the other church is having communion with wine which one of us can call the other one a devil? I'm tired of people playing around these subjects. Uh, you people need to quit playing around these subjects. They can't judge you in the way you eat, the way you drink, or in respect of a of an holy day. The holidays that people have around the world, if they consider it as a holiday, if you don't consider it as a holiday, stay home. Mind your business, right? If you're having a holiday and people think that your holiday is not right, then they should stay home and mind their business. Who are we to say that the Feast of Trumpets is old? And who are they to say that Columbus Day is old? Well, how can we judge one another's holy days or of the new moon? You know, people, uh, uh, Israel, uh, they have a, a new moon feast. There's people that have new moon festivals. The new moon is the beginning of things, the newness of things. And there's people that have new moon festivals. So we can't put them in hell either. And then, Or of the Sabbath days. People spend too much time arguing over the which one is the real Sabbath. Sunday's the real Sabbath. Oh, no, no, no. Sunday's not the real Sabbath. The Romans took over and made Sunday the Sabbath. Saturday's the real Sabbath. I want to know something. Am I reading wrong? If I'm reading wrong, I want somebody to email me and tell me and correct me. Does this or does this not say in Colossians chapter 2, verse 16b, it says, or of the Sabbath day. Let no man therefore judge you in, uh, of the Sabbath day. 
So actually, as long as you're giving God a day, when you take out a day to rest, and you call it your day, you can have church on Wednesday. You can be the Monday Baptist of the United States. You can be the Tuesday uh, Christians of India. You can, as long as you give God some time, it says do not judge somebody about their Sabbath day. So we need to stop trying to figure. There are too many Christians taking out time talking about you have better luck on Saturday. Things go better for you on Saturday. I've been there myself. I know what I'm talking about. I've been there myself. There was a time where I said, well, you can just something about Saturday just feels different. You can tell Saturday's the real day. Regardless of what, didn't God make it? Every day God made, aren't they all good? Romans eight twenty eight it's all good. And it says, verse 17 even tells you, which are a shadow of things to come. That our meat, our drink, our holy days, our new moons, and our Sabbaths are only a shadow of what is to come. When people get up in heaven and they see what the real heaven is like, it's going to blow their minds. You think trees are green down here. You think the sky is blue down here. This is, we're only types and shadows. You cannot judge something that is not the real thing. If I'm going to judge somebody, I'm going to judge something, I want it to be the real thing. Amen. In fact, if it's the real thing, you don't even have to judge it. Amen. It says, but the body is of Christ. Those words stop the whole thing, which are a shadow of things to come. But the body is of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility. That means don't make fun of yourself, self-humiliation, self-mortification. Uh, you don't do that. And there's some people that have self-discipline. They want to discipline their body by suffering. Jesus suffered on that cross so you wouldn't have to. You don't have to make your body suffer. Exercise is fine, but there's some people that do really strange. I watched a movie one time where a man, I, I want to say it was a movie about the, uh, I can't, I forget what it's called, the, the Catholic Church or whatever, um, and there was a man that was going around killing priests, and meanwhile he was using the cat and nine tails to rip his own flesh apart because he felt like he deserved it. He was trying to make his own self suffer for Christ. Nobody in this world can go through what Jesus went through on that cross. And it says in worshiping of angels, we are not to worship angels. There are people right now, I, 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 want, I need this answered for me, please. How are human beings going to find names of angels that aren't even written in God's word? Now, I've seen maybe two or three. I saw Michael, the archangel. I saw Gabriel. I'm trying to think of I'm leaving somebody out. I can't, I've seen two or three in there. But all these other names they're coming up with, I don't even know if Ariel is in here. Or it might be. I can't remember. I think there's two or three names I've seen. Now, if you saw more names of angels in the Bible, please email me at revessie 
at yahoo.com. I've got to see these names in the Bible. I'm talking about the King James that was written after the Holy Scriptures from Israel. I want to see more of these. I don't know where these people are coming up with these angel names. And there are fools out there writing folks. Give, they wouldn't give a ministry $20 to buy some kids some sandwiches or to send a Bible to another country, another state somewhere. But they will send $50, $100, $200, 250 500 to these nuts that have names of angels and the action that each angel takes in your life. You have an angel for gold, angel for your job, angel for sleeping, an angel for this, an angel for your car. You know, folks, we need to stop this. We need to cut this out. And it goes intruding into those things which he has not seen. See, I want to see where they got these names from. Vainly, notice it says vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. When I read that, I thought about Hollywood, all these movies. That answers the question right there. All these movies that you see, demonic, everything's so spiritual and demonic now in Hollywood. The love is gone. Comedy is almost gone. You know, everything nowadays is, is spiritual. Everything wants to eat you up and jump in you and tear you apart and make your eyes roll backwards. Vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, the carnal mind is speaking about, and not beholding the head, who is Jesus, from which all the body by joints and bands have nourishment ministered and knit together, increased with the increase of God. You only, if you want increase, you got to go through Jesus. You're not going to get it through angels and statues and beads and candles. You're not going to get it. You're not going to get it by self-infliction. You're not going to get it by judging people's Sabbaths and trying to make yourself sound like you're better than somebody else. Amen. Amen. And it says, uh, Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of this world, if you buried that old man and you raised back up in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and you are now living in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you should leave all the rudiments of the world, all the evil things, all that worldly stuff, the things that didn't work for you, leave it behind. Why? As though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances? God is saying, if you're living in the world, why are you subject to ordinances if you're with Jesus Christ? Did not he make the law? Think about that. Selah. Selah moment. If Jesus Christ made the law, and he perfected the law, and you are now in Jesus Christ, how can you fail? What are you treading? Where are you treading to? I'll say it that way because I was speaking about the pool earlier. Where are you treading to? Didn't Jesus say, let him do the hard work? Come unto me, all ye that labor, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am weak. Meek. And lowly at heart, he says, let Jesus do the hard work. Touch not, taste not, handle not. He's telling you to leave that ceremonialism, that formalism, and legalism, and, and, and ritualism alone. Touch not, taste not, handle not. Come up out of it. Come up out of that mess. And when you do, people are going to talk about you. Yes, you might lose some friends. But I would rather be right and go to heaven and lose a couple friends than to gain all the friends and lose my soul. 
and he says which are to perish from the using well, with the using after the see they're going to perish all that stuff's going to be gone anyway how long you think them candles is going to last whenever the stars and stuff start popping and burning and the sun starts sending out radiation how long you think that stuff's going to last uh, and it goes after the commandments and doctrines of men would you rather who Whose report would you rather believe? The report of the Lord or the report of man? Which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to to the satisfying of the flesh. Don't neglect the body. Don't neglect the the body of Christ. Don't neglect the uh, the bride of Christ. The body, Christians, your brothers and your sisters. And when somebody, I'm seeing something that's really bothering me, and I've had it happen to me. You say or you do something wrong, and people turn their back on you so fast. It's it's a shame. It, what what we have to realize is we are not the enemy, folks. So if you're if you're getting mad at somebody and you're leaving somebody behind because they did something that you didn't like or or something like that of that matter, I suggest you double think that because if they left you for some of the things you did wrong, who am I to say that you, the listener, are worse than I am? You're beneath me. See, the mistakes you make, if you knew mine. In fact, there's some I wouldn't even tell. Everybody got something that they don't want to talk about. That's why I say you can't tell everything. Nobody is better than you. I don't care if it's your your pastor, your deacon. I don't care who it is. Priest, rabbi, I don't care who you are under, who you listen to the word of God from. Nobody is better than you. That person has the word, and hopefully the Holy Spirit's using them to teach the word. But remember this, and I'll end it on this. Jesus did all this for you. Jesus died for you. Jesus didn't get rid of the swimming pool. He perfected it. Where are you swimming? Are you able to? It's good that you're swimming. Hopefully in clear water, that's a sign of good health. I wish you clear water in your life. Hallelujah. I wish you clear water in your life, good health, wealth, abundance, and peace and joy. And I wish you rest. Well, God bless you. Thank you for coming to listen. And I I, I pray that God blesses you in every way, and I pray that you understand that you are a Christian. God loves you. Jesus died for you. And there's nobody greater than you in his eyes. You are the apple of his eye. No, you're not perfect. None of us are. Stop letting those people who think that they are make you feel like you're not. Reverend Essie signing out. God bless you and have a beautiful evening.